I'm comedian, writer, and filmmaker Chuck Staten from the punk band Senior Discount. And I'm writer and comedian Brad Rohr from the Providence Improv Guild. And this is the Chuck and Brad Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 555 of the Chuck and Brad podcast. I'm Chuck. I'm Brad. How you doing, Brad? I'm all right. How about yourself? Ah, I've seen better days. You know, we all have. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a, there's a the song, right? By uh, it's like I've seen better days. That, I've been star of a many plays. You yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's something like that. Yeah, I think it's Citizen Kane. Cope. Citizen Cope. Citizen. It's, it's not Citizen Kane. It's you're thinking of Rosebud. Ah, uh, yes, of course. I always get the two. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're thinking of that classic film. Yes, I'm thinking of what is widely regarded as one of the most important films of all time. <laughs> I mixed it up with a, a novelty pop band from, from 1997. Yes. Um, Better Days and the bottom drops out. Citizen King. Ooh. Now well, you were closer, closer than, than me. Cope. But Citizen Cope is a thing. Yeah. Isn't it? Probably. I think Citizen I, what, Cope. What, you know, what, without looking it up, what is it? What, tell me what Citizen Cope is. It's a band. Oh, I'm, I'm okay. just going to type in Citizen Cope singles. Okay. I mean, it is a band right. and it says, I, I don't know these songs. Uh, Clarence Greenwood, also known as his stage name, Citizen Cope, is an American songwriter, producer, and performer. Okay. Mix of blues, soul, folk, and rock. Oh, those are good things to mix. <clears throat> yeah, you mix them up. How's your dumb back doing? Oh, you want an update on this already? Yeah, I do. I, I Not just me. I think the Chubies want to know, are you walking? So, this is the... We're recording this from a morgue. Uh, Chuck week, is on the table. He's got one tag on his toe. Last week... Uh, we, I kind of just decided, I was like, I'm just going to let everyone into my problems. You know what I mean? And I talked yeah. about all these emotional problems and, and, and physical problems going on with me because that was what's dominating my life. And I was like, well, maybe some people will relate to it or whatever. And man, here's the thing. I got a million messages and comments and people reaching out and they are invested. But that means you feel like you have to keep people informed. Yeah. Um, and some of the stuff is, uh, is, uh, you know, I'm trying to be careful about what I say and right, whatever yeah. the back thing, all good news. Oh, that's great. So I went to my physical therapist. I've been going for probably what, three sessions, I think so far, maybe, maybe two. And, um, and basically what happened, he was like, you know, uh, he, okay. So, you know what, let me. I'm going to tell you the scary stuff that I didn't tell anybody. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Here's the problem. Thank you. I had a problem with my shoulder in the summer. And it was weird. It's like I've always had this problem where sometimes it feels like I need to click my left shoulder or crack it or something. Okay. Had that for years. Got worse and worse and worse this summer. Went to my doctor. Said, my, my shoulder is getting all fucked up. You know what I mean? I got yeah. a beef shoulder. And he was like, hmm. And he had that thing where like, you know, he was looking at me and I became a side of, side of beef <laughs> yes. in his eyes. <laughs> I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's like, I haven't had lunch, you know? And I'm like, geez, every day you do this? What, yes. what do you mean? Have lunch earlier. This guy, anyway, can't plan his lunch. But he's like, go get, he's like, he's like, it's, I don't, he goes like this. He's like, he's like, where is it in your shoulder? And I told him, I'm like, pain in my elbow. Part of my hand goes numb. Part of my arm goes numb. He goes, do this and this and this. And he made me move my head up and down and left to right. And he's right. like, say, ow, and it hurts. I told him, I said, ow, and it hurts. And he's like, I don't think it's your shoulder. I think it's your neck and it's like pinching a nerve. Okay. Uh, so go get a neck x-ray. I said, okay. But ne- they, were so, they yeah. were so careful about COVID symptoms at this time that it was like a pain in the ass because I have dust allergies. So anytime I go anywhere and they say, do you have COVID symptoms? I either have to say, 
Yes, I'm stuffed up. Yes, my nose is running right. because I have an allergy or I have to lie because they don't say, do you have COVID? They say, do you have COVID symptoms? Right. And I ch- tell them, but it's always like them being like, oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So I didn't get the x-ray for a long time. Right. So I finally got the x-ray like after Christmas. And they, my doctor's assistant called me and she said, so we, uh, Dr. Marcaccio looked at your x-ray. He said, you have a little bit of degenerative disc. Uh, which is a mild, very minimal arthritis, and uh, just go to physical therapy. Okay. Now, I heard that, and I said, it's a, it's weird to be like, you have a little bit of degenerative disc. Right. And I heard that, and I'm like, what does that mean? Right. And in my head, I'm like, disc syndrome. Yeah. Degenerative disc syndrome, right? So I'm like, okay. Um, then my back starts killing me. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole back thing happens. The whole story I told last week, you know, go get the MRI, the pain. And they're like, give a bulging disc. In my head, did I tell you this already? You told me on the phone, but yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you're telling the chubies, right? Yeah, now. yeah, I'm telling the chubies. I just didn't know if I told you. In my head, for the past like two weeks, I've been like, I have degenerative disc syndrome. That's why my disc got fucked up in 2011. That's why my shoulder hurts. That's why my back hurts. They're going to do the MRI. All of my discs are degenerating right. by the minute. Yeah, I'm like, and I'm. Th- by the way, I'm being funny about this, but I'm not kidding. This right. is what I thought. No, it's it's it. And you're, I do- you're at the end of uh, Infinity War, except it's just your discs. Yes, and so I and I didn't tell any, and I didn't tell anyone I I thought this because I didn't want to say it out loud. Fifty percent of them gone. Yes, right. I didn't want to say it out loud, but I was like, my discs are deteriorating. That's what's happening here, and like over time, in my this is me just thinking about. It. I'm like, my discs are going to just keep degenerating. And I'm probably just going to have more and more of these extreme pains all the time where I can barely function as a person. And I'm like, I moved to New York. I live by myself. How can I do that if right. my discs are going to keep degenerating? Yep. And, you know, I don't You're know. like, what, I'm going to be a cripple by Christmas. Uh, yeah, exactly. And 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 what am I going to do? And, and I, a year after, an empty crutch. And I went to... <laughs> I went, <laughs> empty chair and an unattended crutch. Damn it. Hey, that... That crutch was full a moment ago. <laughs> you burp because you drank it. Anyway, but here's the thing. So I went to my physical therapist and he never saw my MRI. Right. He never saw my x-rays. He's not even working on my shoulder and neck. Right. He's working on the back thing. And right. I said to him, yeah, my doctor's assistant called me and said that I have degenerative disc. And he's like, oh boy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I'm like, so what does that mean? And he goes, and he was like, to, to be fair, he, he was basically like, yeah, you got to stretch, you got to watch it. Some people use inversion tables and they say it really helps. Right. But in my head, I'm like, this guy's downplaying it. I have degenerative disc syndrome, which, and by the way, please no one write in because I'm just happy with the information I have now and I don't right. want it to change. In my head, what would you think if your doctor said, hey, you have a degenerative disc? What would you think? I, I would think like you, like my discs are eroding. Mm-hmm. I probably have <laughs> 10 years left before I'm uh, quadriplegic. <laughs> Oh I'm going to turn into the guy from uh, Johnny Get Your Gun from the Metallica 1 video. Yes, yes. And uh, it's just over. Yeah, just, right, just right. stick a fork in me. I think I'm done. And I, and I don't want to be corrected um, because no one told me this, but I will. you'll hear what the doctor said. I think degenerative disc might mean that you have one little thing that's right. a little bit smaller than right. normal. Right. Like it might even just refer to one thing that's already done. Right. It's not degenerative discs syndrome. I think that might be what it is. Right. Because so I went to the so I went. You know, so I'm going to physical therapy for my lower back, which caused that extreme pain in my leg that you and I have both dealt with previous years. And on top of that, less important industry uh, injury is my shoulder. 
So I'm really focusing on fixing my back. You know, I had to come back from New York. I went to the emergency room in New York, um, all the stuff. And right when I came back, we made an appointment with my spine doctor who did my surgery 10 years ago. And so I saw him today. That was the, basically we're all, all of us, me, like, like Walt, Mark, like everybody, we're waiting for this appointment, this right. spine appointment. I go in today. And by the way, to give you an update on my pain levels, I was at like an eight or nine in New York in oh. terms of pain. That night, they gave me the Percocet. It calmed down. I drove home. It probably topped out the next day at like a three or a four. Oh, that's nice. Then the next day, the next day, no, I didn't take any more Percocet. The next day, it was at a two. Right. And then the next day, it was at like a one. Oh, And stayed at one for three days. And it's basically the pain has completely gone away. Awesome. But um, the bottom of my foot is still a little bit numb and my ankle is a little sore when, when I walk around a lot. So I went to the doctor today. I went to the spine doctor. This is the guy who's going to give me the news. This is the guy who's going to tell me what's wrong. This is the guy who's going to give me the news that I will be in a wheelchair by Valentine's Day. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's really soon. Yeah. Yeah, right. And uh, I go to him, and I'm like, give it to me straight. And I'm grabbing him by the lapels. I'm slapping him back and forth. <laughs> I'm grabbing his glove, and I'm blowing it up. That was just for fun. <laughs> yes. And on your phone, you have like all these different like wheelchair uh, decals and logos. You're like, oh, can I get a custom Chuck and Brad podcast yeah, wheelchair? Yeah, I, I, I did bring him five shirt samples, and he <laughs> helped me pick which one. It's Good. me in a wheelchair, and you, and you with the empty crutch. But uh, <laughs> it's me in a wheelchair, you, and then just an empty crutch. Um, and, what does that say about Ray? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just all going to say it's Ray. Ray would be praying for a wheelchair if he knows what's in his future. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, <laughs> so. So you go to the doctor. Go to the spine doctor. Slap him against the wall. Give it to me. You know, all that stuff. Elbow in the throat. Yep. Um, GTS. But uh, wow. he he looked at my MRI. And he goes, well, first thing I got to say to you, you got a great spine. All your discs and your vertebrae, they look great. You're in great condition in your spine. And I was like, geez, I'm like, this guy's crazy. My discs are degenerating. <laughs> I'm whispering to the glove that I blew up. <laughs> you're, you're, Wilson, by the way. <laughs> you're typing in how to file malpractice suit. <laughs> yeah, right. That My doctor was too positive. Yes. He said my discs regenerated. Yes. Clearly impossible with right. my syndrome. Right. So, yeah, he was like, oh, your spine looks great. And I was like, oh, okay. And I, w- I was happy to hear that. Yeah. Now, let me give you a little piece of information I think not, not a lot of people know. Want to give me some info? Yeah. I'm, I'm, Do you want it? Yeah. My breath is baited. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I went to my, my general doctor right. at like Warren Medical Center. And he's like, you need an x-ray. So I went to Rhode Island Medical Imaging in Riverside or okay. Barrington, right? Then I went to... Ortho, Rhode Island, in Providence. And they're like, you need an x-ray. Okay. And they gave me a different x-ray at Ortho, Rhode Island. They said, you need an MRI. And I went to a different Rhode Island medical imaging in Pawtucket. Okay. Now I'm going to my spine doctor. And I'm like, he's going to have all this info, right? Yeah. It's- and I call the places. They're like, no, we have to make a physical CD of your x-ray or MRI. And you have to physically drive to us and pick it up and bring it to him. Doesn't make a lot of sense. And nope. I was like, okay. So I spent yesterday driving all around the state of Rhode Island collecting my own x-rays. That's great. Isn't it's, that weird? It's, it's, I like, felt a, it's like it was a side, side quest. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought it was. Yeah. Grand Theft Chuck and uh, Chuck Theft Auto, Grand Chuck Auto. I guess Chuck Theft Auto is the best one. Yeah. 
Grand, anyway, Grand Chuck Auto sounds weird. Yeah, picking up diarrhea medicine. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to have an orgasm on the ride. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta like hit B like, like crazy. Uh, anyway, so I, you know, I have the doctor. I have the stack of CDs. I'm, yep. I'm walking in like it's I'm, like I'm checking out of Sam Goody in 1999, right, and right. it's my birthday. And uh, looks at my MRI first, and your MRI. That shows you the discs in your back, which are the pads that go between your vertebrae, yes. not your actual vertebrae, which are bones. And he goes, your discs look great. Your spine looks great. And I said, well, what's going on? And he's like, well, he's like, you had surgery in this spot. That's where the disc is. Whenever you have surgery in an area like that in your back, you know, it could cause you some pain afterwards. It's, it's less, it's, it's a little bit more likely to come out a little bit. He goes, but it's only coming out a little bump. It's very tiny. It's coming out. And he goes, and this was, you know, two weeks ago. Right. And he goes, uh, and he goes, and what's your pain level now? And I told him, he tested all my strength and all my legs and everything. And he goes, listen, he's like, I know that the numbness in your foot is concerning, but he goes, to be honest, it's a really good thing and it means it's healing. He goes, I think you're going to be fine. I think this is just going to go back in. Most of the time, they just kind of go back in and retract. And I think you just kind of irritated it or did something. And I told him about that day where I was kicking and twisting with you. <laughs> yeah, you had a good laugh. And good. Uh, he was like, yeah, he's like, I think it's going to go back in. I was like, do you, do you think I just do anything like a cortisone shot, anything? He goes, you know, he's like, if you were in pain and we're trying to get it to get smaller, then yes. But if you're not in pain, I think you're already doing great. And we just got to let Mother Nature take its course. Just give me a call in four weeks and let me know. Nice. And I was like, wow. And I said, wait a minute. I'm scared of my degenerative discs. I wanted to speak up. You ever go to a doctor and you don't speak up? Yes. Then it haunts you? Yes. I don't want to be the haunted. Okay. So I said, you know, what about my discs? They're degenerating by the minute. And I said, here's my, you know, basically like I was like, press the eject button. And he pressed it and I flipped a CD from across the room and it went into it and closed. That was pretty good. I believe you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he looked at it. He said, whoa. He was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. and he, and then, he, then he looked at it and he was like. He's like, no, he's like, he's like, you're doing totally great. And then he said this, he goes right here in your neck. He goes, these two are a little close together. Talking about my vertebrae. Right. Which leads me to believe that the degenerative disc was just that little disc right there. Right, right. He goes, but that's one of the most narrow places where your nerves come out. So it's really easy to irritate. That's what you're feeling in your left shoulder and you should get rehab and you should do physical therapy for that. Nice. He goes, but I think you're good. I think you're doing great and I think it's going to be fine. And I was like, Wow. And he was totally positive about it, and yeah, that's it. Well, I guess now I'm going to have to return this wheelchair I bought you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I rented it just for like four months mm-hmm. because right. But uh, yeah, so you know, I had all these, I had all these catastrophic nightmare scenarios. Yes, where they were like, your discs are degenerating. You need to move into a home. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't do your career anymore. You can't lift anything. You can't. Right live by yourself, you can't be alone for five minutes on end with a knife in the room, or maybe even your shoelaces, your belt has to come off. It was like prison. I feel like you're you're heading towards that scenario, but not for physical pain. Exactly, yeah. emotional. So, but that was really good. That felt really positive. Yeah. And it felt really um, like, holy shit, I've been holding my breath for two weeks waiting for some kind of, I didn't know if he'd look at it and go, man, you really should get surgery again. Or if he'd be like, this is pretty bad. I guess we're going to have a long road to recovery of trying to fix this again. Right. He was totally positive. <laughs> or, or just he looks at it and he's like, huh. And then he leaves the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. I've been talking to my physical therapist. And like I told you, he never saw my MRI or x-ray. He just had right. what I said. And I was like, 
yeah, I'm really nervous about my back and this degenerative disc, whatever. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, sit on this thing, do this. And he gave me all these different things. I'm still going to try to do them. <laughs> but before I was like, I'm like, every second of my life is going to have to be about bracing my own back because I don't have any disc left. Yep. But that is not a concern. I can go back to work. I can, It's just going to take care of itself pretty much. And I just probably have to do these stretches all the time. And he said that that's really important to do yeah. those stretches all the time. Um, and I'm going to continue physical therapy for now until they say it's all good. And uh, yeah, so I, I had this big scare in my head. I didn't want to say it out loud because yeah. I didn't want to no, put it right. in the air. Yeah. So that's it. Well, I have a uh, back doctor appointment uh, about 12 hours from now. Mm -hmm. So it's possible I will have the same thing as you. It's possible it'll be worse. It's possible I'll be in the empty crutch. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's also possible, like, the idea of me also having degenerative disc syndrome, and then we can form Degeneration X. <laughs> <laughs> Break it down. Suck it. Yes. <laughs> you trying to do suck it? <laughs> yeah. ah, I just fall over. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have a, 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 a heart doctor appointment on uh, Friday morning yeah. for, my, for my heart murmur. You're going to be fine. I know. I'll, well, it's weird because like I definitely had chest pain this morning. And I'm like, huh. Yeah, chest pain is anything. Yeah, I know. It's I, I feel like it's it's work stress. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so so get excited for next week's episode. Brad's physical breakdown and Brad's mental breakdown. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was that was the good news. I mean, the yeah. bad the bad news, and this is the thing that's harder to talk about because I'm really trying to avoid uh, upsetting anybody or right. anything like that. Is you know, last week we had a big talk about my recent like emotional journey with uh, my ex girlfriend, who I thought we were going to stay really close, and you know. She's a really, really important person to me, and we had such a great connection. We spent seven years together. We have so many shared memories and experiences. Um, and I kind of recently have been dealing with, uh, you know, this was elaborated on last week. Right. The fact that, like, she's not, um, she doesn't think that that's a good idea and doesn't think that right now um, that would work out at all. Um, and I'm kind of dealing with that for the first time because I thought that we were going to do that. We broke up in September and I kind of had like a big like breakdown last week. and I was kind of trying to talk through it with you and everything. Right. And people have been reaching out. And yeah, I'm still deep in it. Um, I'm trying to do things that I think would be helpful for closure on the situation. But it's not really just me that can help me, you know, do these things or communicate uh, about that kind of stuff. And so it's been hard to make that happen. And, uh, yeah, I'm in a really weird place. Yep. Um, and I kind of, you know, th the truth is like, I'm trying not to make her uncomfortable. So I'm kind I've kind of got to the point where I'm like, listen, I'm just gonna, uh, not worry about my feelings when it comes to this stuff. Um, and I just want to be past this point in time where we're kind of dealing with this like sad transition where I, you know, we kind of really, uh, you know. I kind of really accept that he, she doesn't want to be friends and stuff. And I'm trying to, so I'm, tr I'm trying to basically for a little bit, I was like, I really want to communicate about some stuff. And, uh, now I'm kind of like, don't worry about it. If it's, if it's, uh, not something you want to do. And I just want to see our dog. Cause we share custody of our dog. Yeah. And, um, for the first time I haven't heard back from her about seeing the dog since I asked her like a long, like, like four or five days ago. Right. And it's like killing me. It's yeah. killing me that like, you know, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why she's not answering me about this. It's the right. first time this has happened with the dog, and uh, it's making me really, really upset. Yeah. Um, and the whole situation in general has been making me really upset, and it's like I'm still stuck in this depression cocoon where it's like, 
when I go to bed, I think about it. Yep. When I go, when I, sometimes I wake up at like six in the morning and I just think about it in my bed. Um, yeah, it prevents me from sleeping. And it's like, I, you know, I'll just like during the day, I just feel kind of weird. It's funny because like this, that stuff is all wrapped up with like these general feelings of hopelessness that I have. Right. That I'm trying to manage. Yes. And I don't know. It's weird. So let's say you like, you know, you're not supposed to feel hopeless, no, right? No. But let's say you feel hopeless. Okay. And uh, really sad. Yes. And you're like, I'm so sad that it's like, uh, it's, 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 it's like painful for me every day. And it's making me feel kind of crazy and like, like I can't shake it. I can't really, I can't really like enjoy things. I can't really turn it off. What do you do? Oh, uh, eventually you get to the point where you just lie to your friends about it and don't talk about it on the podcast and you're just sad all the time regardless. So, I don't know uh, when I hit that point, but it was a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, for, for me, it's, uh, you know, what option do I have? And I... I, I don't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you try to celebrate the little wins when you have them. But uh, for the past year and a half or so, um, it's been uh, fake it. Just just fake it. Just absolutely fake it. Stop talking about the things that bother you the most and uh, just pretend like things are OK because they're and, and you know, and they're not. Uh, and people know that. And uh, you just move on from there. I, you know, it, it, it's not a thing where I'm like, then I discovered chocolate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, by the way, I bought more snacks. They're chocolate. Well, I'll have one. I'll have yeah. one. It's, it's, you know what? Uh, it's weird. I had the, a bag full of Butterfingers, Baby Ruth's, and Nestle Crunches. And like, <laughs> you opened it last week. And I'll say I had like, there was like one Baby Ruth treat in there. So I don't know how many you ate or Wait, how many on, were but there. there was a lot of other stuff. It was mostly Butterfingers. Okay, and, all and, right. And you looked at them, you're like, oh. All right, well, how many pieces were in there in the first place? 16? I don't know. Let's let let's, let's say twenty one. Twenty one. So there was seven baby Ruths. Yep. That means I eat six baby baby Ruths. Yes. That's probably equal to one baby yeah, Ruth but, bar. But how many baby baby Ruths did I get? I thought you were a butter guy, butterfing. I you know what I am. But <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I'm I thought, a, I thought, I'm that's what I thought all of those. We were the guy. peanut butter and jelly twins, where it's like I'm eating the peanut butter, he likes the jelly. Wait, on, you do one. First of all, I don't like the jelly. <laughs> you do one. Come on, do one now. Wait. All right. So. Um, so, all Think right. Think of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the peanut butter. You like the fluff. Oh, uh, ooh, ooh. Not um, I eat, <laughs> I eat the ham and Brad sucks the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> that uh, by sounds... the way, I'd rather have the uh, bacon. Can I, can I just quickly switch? Why, why are we sucking the bacon? <laughs> I was thinking about the chili dogs thing. Um, so anyway. Yeah, so I'm in deep in this depression cocoon. Yes. And I feel kind of hopeless. You know, there's a lot of stuff about f- floating around about the future where it's 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 quite scary, you know? Like I said, I have to be... I want to be mindful on the podcast not to bother anybody yeah. um, and say things. But I'm really worried that I had a very uh, picturesque relationship for the most part. Right. That ended for reasons that were not like i said it wasn't that we didn't we were, didn't love each other anymore right and so i'm like okay that like that ended and now i'm 37 and i'm living in a new place in new york yep and i'm really scared that i'm not going to find a connection like that again yeah and that's what's really scaring me and i don't mean just like any i don't mean like a connection like that but i mean like a connection and it's like someone who's going to be at the right place in their life 
to move forward with a family in yep. the next however many years. Right, right. And all these different things that kind of have to line up in terms of, um, you know, my life and their life. And ultimately, the connection between us and, and, and their interest in what they want their future to be and stuff. And it's tough because right now, it really feels like I'm like, it, it's a combination of A, I'm living in a new place. B, like during COVID, it's so much harder to be social at all. Um, and it's also like where I live, you know, I know very few people around me. And I definitely know less, like not not a lot of people that have big social outlets. Right, right. And I'm, I moved there to work and I moved there to, you know, move my career along and really set myself up with a stable career to eventually have a family. Um, but, you know, my last relationship had to end. And now I'm worried that I won't have a relationship that's that um, special again. Yeah. And I, I think that's a natural fear. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm doing like when I feel really, really hopeless about this and my future and stuff, you know, I'm like, I'm reaching out to friends. I'm letting them know I'm reaching out to my therapist. I yeah. asked my doctor for anti-anxiety medication, which by the way, he switched from the Zoloft. So I'm going to have orgasms again. So maybe, that'd be good. maybe, you don't, it could be broken forever. That was a tough could, week. That, that could, that could, you could need a tiny crutch. <laughs> I gave it a, you know, a very tiny crutch. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Let's just say I gave it a spit shine. I got the old I got the old gal pern again. <laughs> old gal. You gave it a spit shine. And uh let's just say my bacon got sucked. <laughs> what? No, no. It was a real I, I don't it, it was a real it was a real task. I was like, I have to figure this out. I'm pulling yep. strings, yep. I'm, I'm pressing buttons. I, it's Remember a big, bop it's a, it. Yeah, I was gonna say pull it's it, a, bop it. It's a big, squeeze it. It's a Rube Goldberg device where Punch you're like, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really had to choke it. <laughs> I really had to bop now, it. Now choke it again. <laughs> anyway, um, but he explained it to me, so we switched. We switched that. We switched right. the medication. So that that was a weird week, though. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, so when I feel hopeless, I feel like I do. I'm like I'm like all right. What am I supposed to do? And right. I do all those things. Yep. Um, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm just checking the boxes of the stuff that you're supposed to do. Yes. And it's not actually changing anything. Right. And I'm really nervous about how depressed I am. Um, it's hard to work. It's hard yes. to concentrate on stuff. It's yes. hard to want to go do things. Absolutely. Like today, like I just seriously, like I just like crawled in bed at five o'clock. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing. And I mean, I, I was kinda, driving home from work. It'd be. Yeah. I just kind of like drifted in and out and stuff yeah. like that. And um, yeah, so, so it's, it's really, really bad and I'm really nervous and scared about crawling out of this yeah but i'm trying I'll, I'll point out a couple things number one uh time like obviously yeah, like you're, you're 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 checking these boxes mm -hmm. to let time work for you yeah right and number two your phrasing depression cocoon is probably the best way to phrase it mm -hmm. it's not a pit of depression it's not a whole it's a cocoon which develops a new and exciting form of life the yep. gypsy moth oh oops sorry Romani moth. Oh, jeez! <laughs> I can't be hateful. Oh, god. Um. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm here for you. I'm I'm here with you. Uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll watch Beavis and Butthead together. Whatever you need. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's tough. And the only the only solution I think is is time and uh, kind of you know you're you're pouring your energy into positive outlets. Mm -hmm. You're not doing anything self destructive. Mm -hmm. Not not anything too self destructive. That spit shining thing is pretty gross. Mm -hmm. Bop it. <laughs> and I'll say this. I, I, I want to try to be dedicated to this. You got to help me. Okay. I realized the other day, 
Like my my lowest recorded weight was like in 2010. Okay. And it was 45 pounds down from my highest weight. Okay. Right now, I'm four pounds up from my lowest weight in 2010. Right. So I think, you know, I've, I've, I basically what I did was a long time ago, I lost like 20 pounds. Then I lost an additional 10. Now I've lost another additional 10 yep. to make a total of about 40 over the past however many years. And I'm like, you know, what? I got to lose the rest of it. Yeah. I want to lose like another you know, 25 to 30 pounds. And I'm hoping that it's like, it's, it's I'm like, it's January. It's the last week of January. If I want to lose about 25 pounds, I think I can do it by the summer. Let's right. see if I can do it. And so I'm dedicated to that. And I think that's another positive change where it's like, well, maybe this will be a thing to take up some, in, you know, some focus. Yep. You know what I mean? In terms yeah. of uh, being productive. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm trying. I really, you know, like I said, I've kind of uh, just been like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of, put my own feelings aside about um, my ex-girlfriend and like in terms of like us trying to find some closure or whatever, right. because she seems really not interested in having a conversation about it. Yeah. But I'm like really desperate to see my dog and, and again, get back with Swiss because yeah. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see her when I first came back with my back because I was nervous because Swiss kind of requires a lot of standing up, letting her out, yep. playing and stuff. I didn't know how I was, but as soon as my back felt better, you know, um, I've, I've wanted to see her and it yeah, would make me uh, feel a lot better. Good. Um, but yeah, so things are things are really tough and really bad. And I hope one day soon I'm like, you know what? I'm OK. But you're back. But my back is really good. There That's go. a positive. That there was hanging over my head. Yes. Understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, my back was hanging over my head because I was on a virgin table. Yes. Um, want to talk about Murderville? Well, let's 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 go with a lighter note. Oh. Um, well, Murderville's it, a light note. What do you this mean? Is, this is so dumb. When you walked in tonight, I'm like, hey, if it smells like shaved steak, it's because I made a shaved steak sandwich for dinner. You did say that. Yes. So I'm I'm cooking this shaved steak. It's it's it's, it's on the uh, it's in the pot on the stove, shaving away. And I look down and the, and it's like the perfect sh- like it's it's done. It's ready to cook. And I'm like, I didn't season this. At all, I put no salt or pepper or anything on it, and and you know I'm I'm gonna eat the sandwich with a one on it, but I'm like, I don't think I've ever seasoned beef as I've cooked it, like ever, <laughs> like the idea of like oh I I'm gonna I'm gonna get this uh, ground ground chuck yes ground meat and season it and make a hamburger from it I don't think I've ever done that wow and like what like I I know I take a lot of grief from you about my plain eating habits. Mm-hmm. But isn't this weird? Like, I thought it was it weird. Too weird? I, you know what last year, you know what I thought about? I'm like, I don't use salt and pepper. Really ever? Huh? I don't really put salt and pepper on anything ever. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. it's weird because like I, I probably use it more when I'm cooking something. Mm. And you know, like if I'm, if I'm making chili, I'm dumping spices in there. Yeah. Um, and you know, bland Bradley's boring chili. I don't want anyone to think that my chili is at all spicy. Right. Or uh, exciting. Yes, it's not. Oh, and, uh, but I'm like, man, the idea of like, I just cooked this steak and you know, it tastes good because it's steak and it's covered in a one and, uh, I toast the bread, there's melt some cheese. It's good stuff. And, uh, I don't know. It was just such a weird thing about the idea of me being so plain. You don't even season your meat. And it, and it's like, this is the example. And I was like, Oh, I'm glad I'm just eating this myself. (laughs) Uh, because it's kind of embarrassing, but I put a one sauce on it, so like there's, there's still seasoning. flavor. It's, do, you ever, do you ever marinate? 
Uh, I do, but like, you know, not this stuff. This stuff, I just, I bought it at Shaw's. I came <laughs> yeah, home, yeah, I cooked yeah. it up. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, and then, you know, I, I told you uh, we're going to get snow this weekend. I was like, oh, maybe when we're watching the Royal Rumble, we can make fajitas. And uh, I, so I got peppers and onions. I got guacamole. I got sour cream. I got cheese. I got shells. Mm. And they didn't have any chicken. And I so know. I put it all back. <laughs> And I'm like, nope. Even <laughs> even though it would make perfect sense to go somewhere else and get chicken breast oh, so that yeah. we can cook it. It probably like, would take less time than to put oh, it all back. Oh, absolutely. I'm oh, like, yeah. no Fuck thanks. You. Yeah, I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, just just dumb snowstorm prep. And I was thinking about us getting caught in the snowstorm you know, ah, eight years fine. ago or whatever. Oh, or, yeah. We almost died. Oh, yeah. It was a good time. It was funny. Yeah. Good story. Do you own a snow shovel now? Because you did not when we got 15 <laughs> inches of snow and we had to dig out your Impala. <laughs> From your driveway. <laughs> oh, that was a cool car, though. You we kept cruising. You kept getting in and out of the car to try and rock it back and forth, and I'm just like scraping underneath your tires to clear out room for you to rock back and forth. Yeah, and then we still couldn't get anywhere. No, well, we, we got out to the street. Yeah, but then we kept going into the snowbanks and at the post office. That was crazy. So time. dumb. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, it was like a Two Stooges episode. I'll, I'll check out the uh, snow shovel sitch. Thank you. Um, I mean, if not, I have one. I just don't want to have to walk all the way to your house with, with a snow shovel. With a snow right. shovel. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be prepared. Hmm. What's the word? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh, prepared, eh? Um, it's French. We'll be prepared. Yeah. I think I we'll be fine. I, I think we'll be fine, too. It's, it's one of those things where I'm just so concerned about losing power. Yeah. That, to me, is is the big issue. Like, yeah. if there's a lot of snow and I don't have to go anywhere, and I'm like, oh, I guess I have to stay home and read. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I can live with that. Yeah. But uh, I just... My I parents thought, have a generator up the street. Yeah, but, you know, how am I supposed to get there? I'm supposed to walk, I, I feel like it's two miles to their house. Yeah, it's far. It's through the snow. It's poorly lit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get run over. I know. I kept wanting to squashed. go to sleep in a snowbank, and you kept telling me I was going to die if I did that. Yeah, no. I, I, I We gave each other mouth to mouth. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. That was... It was beforehand. We were just practicing. Oh, yes, we're, just <laughs> we're practicing. I mean, we did watch the movie Bully that night. That was a real thing. Yeah, we watched the documentary Bully. Yeah. All right, Murderville. Yes. Talk about this. What do you think? It is a show on Netflix that stars Will Arnett yes. and a, uh, a a new guest co-star every episode, and it's mostly improvised. Yeah. Uh, and the guest star does not know who the killer is, but Will Arnett presumably does. Yeah. So it's almost like a parody of a detective show. Of a, yeah. Of where a, of where a one of the procedural. Two, yeah. Where one of the two detectives has no idea what's happening, and the rest of the show is scripted around them. Right. And then at the end of every episode, that the guest star will like make the accusation on on who done it. Oh, that's so funny. And uh, you know whether they're right or not is up to uh, the actual script. Like there's an actual person who done it. Yes. Um, Did you watch the trailer? I did. I, awesome. I cannot believe this idea has not been done before. It's so good. And it is an awesome idea. And oh, I hope hilarious. the execution lives up to the concept. Hilarious. I, I, I love I Will love Arnett. It. I know Kumail is in an episode. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that one's... Yeah. Like, I am so excited to watch it. Yeah, it's it looks so good. Murderville on Netflix. Uh, check out the uh, trailer on YouTube. Just look up Murderville. Will Arnett looks awesome as the head like detective, and he's such a good guy to play that character. Yeah. Listen to me, kid. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, it looks so funny. Conan O'Brien's episode looks so good. Um, I can't wait for this thing. I think it's, it looks really, really funny. Um, yeah. So we don't have too many topics this week. We do it's not. Jan- January. January blues. It's tough. Yep. It's uh, you know, that's it's this is one of the reasons uh, that I'm nervous about getting out there, meeting people right now. Right. And what makes it worse is like, dude, winter time. Like, so we're dealing. I'm dealing with like I live in a new state. 
with yep. not a lot of social outlets, really. I work for Tell Him Steve DeVentuzas with stories. I'm not going to really meet people through that. Right. I got my buddy Rupert. Um, and, you know, I, I know uh, my buddy Ladondo and stuff like that. But, like, not a lot of social outlets. Plus, it's COVID. So there's not a lot of stuff. And then, plus, it's super cold out and it's winter. So there's less people going and doing things. Yeah, that's correct. I live by myself. It's It's very... To deal with these feelings of uh, depression and rejection and, you know, losing my ex as like even uh, a friend and someone who supports me uh, completely is very, very tough, like right now specifically. Yes. Uh, But so that's the but yeah. So January, people don't do as much. So like we're, you know, we're we're in. We're trying. I can't even even if I go for a walk, I kick my leg out and get a, a bulging disc in my spine. You kicked and twisted a lot. Oh, it was crazy. It was basically Beverly Hills Ninja. Yes. Um, but one thing we did do is Brad and I and our buddy Jordan and his girlfriend went to go see his girlfriend Haley went to go see Scream Five. Yes. Uh, which is the fifth Scream. I don't know why I had to explain that. Yeah. But um, you know, Scream is one of my favorite the original scream is like one of my favorite movies not only horror movies but movies and then scream 2 i always thought was like eh, it's okay yeah then scream 3 was pretty bad yep scream 4 was okay i it came out it, 10 years ago explained it to my dad today where i'm like we love scream 1 we like scream 2 yeah we tolerate scream 3 yeah we have differing opinions on scream 4 so we went to see scream 5 <laughs> what's your feeling on scream 4 I did not like it as much as you did. Yeah, at the time. I liked it. I think we like it the same now. Yeah. I watched it again the other day. Um, Scream 5. Let's do... So we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about spoiler free. Yep. And then we're, we're going to warn you guys before we get into spoilers. Yeah, I don't want to spoil any Scream films for you. Yeah, right. So let's do spoiler free. I'll Ready? say this. I was entertained. I don't know that it was a good movie yeah but i enjoyed the experience of being in the theater with my friends and watching the film i Uh, thought it was i thought the journey was fun there was some fan service stuff you know they played red right hand in a scene and i was like punching you in the face like oh recognize this song chuck even though you're the one that told me this song exists right um and you're like yes i get it like like you were basically rolling your eyes at me like how dare brad point this out and uh um and and uh, and so there's some of that. I don't know that it was good, so but it's, again, it's, it's, it was entertaining. Yeah, and I'll say this: I think it the story is like quite bizarre, quite a strange direction, which yeah. we'll get into in spoiler free. I mean, spoiler full. But for this spoiler free segment, I'd say I also was kind of like, "All right, where are they going? All right, where are they going?" The whole time, like, yeah, like I, you, I, I was on board. And then the end, I was like, "What?" So uh, yeah, I was on board, and then I woke up, and I was in a different station, in a different state, on a different train. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so I think we should probably just get into spoiler full, right? Um, well, just just real quick. Um, yeah. Whatever. What else you got? Like the, I guess I, in terms of acting, I liked the main girl, uh, played mm-hmm. a character named Sam. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not care for the sister named Tara. I was like, ah, oh, she just annoys me. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, the the returning people. We're good. Mm-hmm. Um, David Arquette, awesome. He's and, awesome. And, and maybe I love it's because now. of the the documentary. We love him. I'm, I'm so sympathetic to him as a person that I I'm love like David Arquette. 100 in his corner. I know. Um, yeah, and and uh, other than that, uh, you know, it's it's weird because it's like, all right, you have a, a group of five teens, mm-hmm. and uh, they were fine. Yeah. 
Uh, in terms of acting. Sure, 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 sure. Um, you know, I, I thought there were some good fake outs mm-hmm. uh, in terms of direction and cinematography. In ter- like, oh, mm-hmm. there's an open door and the door closes and you're expecting mm-hmm. because of the musical sting, you expect someone to be behind there. And you're, they did it like as a joke twice in like, a row. Right. Yeah, that was great. And, that was really uh, funny. I really appreciated that. Yeah, me too. I love that too. Uh, there were a couple uh, moments of levity, where, you know, some with David Arquette. Yes. That were great. He was great, yeah. And uh, like really well scripted. Yes. And well done. Yeah. Again, as a package... <laughs> <laughs> the movie exists. Yeah, so I'd say if you like the other screams, go see it. And then, uh, yeah, that's what I'll say. But let's do some spoiler full. We're going right. to spoil Scream 5. If you don't want to have it spoiled, don't listen. But I'll tell you this. If you're not really planning on seeing it, we'll tell you the story. Yeah. yeah just keep listening. If, you, if you're not going to see it, we'll have it spoiled by Chuck and Brad. So here we go. We're going to spoil Scream 5. So the story is essentially... Like it's a new group of kids. Yes, they're all hanging out. One girl, one girl is in the opening scene, and she doesn't die from the original, which is the a, original a, a departure, right? And usually in Scream, there's an opening scene where someone gets killed. This one, the girl doesn't actually die, and her sister, who is like her estranged sister from like five years, right, uh, gets called wherever she lives, and M- she comes Modesto, back to California. Yes, and she comes back to town. And her boyfriend comes with her, and what you find out is basically. The girl in California, Sam, who comes back to town, is Billy Loomis's illegitimate daughter. Right. Who is the killer in the original screen, or should I say the main killer in the right. original screen. He also, it was really him and his friend Stu that yes. were doing it. Um, and I guess they got Skeet Ulrich to come back and play Billy Loomis in like visions right. that, this, that this girl is having about this her father. This girl's hallucinating. Right. What her father looked like as the killer, like with blood on him. And I'm like, it seems weird that she would have that information. But so, yeah. yeah so if, it's if, if, right. If it's easier stab, for the audience. Well, if, if Stab, the movie is based on, you know, quote unquote real life things, then she has that idea of Billy Loomis. Yeah. In so brain. in the movie, in the Scream movies, there's a movie series called Stab that is actually based on the events of that happened in Scream. Yes. So uh, they had him come back. She has these visions of him. And, you know, they're in a group of maybe six people or seven of teenagers and they're like, who's the killer? And they do the whole thing of like, if this is a horror movie, it has to be a requel or, or a scream boot or whatever it yeah. is. And like, they're like, you know, that means that this person does this and this person does this. And it could be this person because she's this. And there's one person, you know, one person's a film fan and one yeah. person's a football guy. And one girl doesn't want to have sex with the football guy, but she's a girlfriend and they're really open about it. Um, one of them's kind of like a nerd who's like a safety guy, yeah. like Brad. And then like, you know, Sam, the the girl, the main, I'd say the protagonist goes to find the legacy characters, which are David Arquette's Dewey. Uh, well, that's the only person she really goes after right. to find. She finds him. His life is kind of broken down because I guess Gail kind of moved forward. Courtney Cox's character who was yeah. married to him previously and he didn't want to move with her. And... You know, the legacy characters come back. Courtney Cox comes back. Sidney Prescott, played by Nev Campbell, comes back to town because the murders are happening again and the calls are happening and there's this new group. And the whole time I'm kind of like, I'm like, I hope it's not just one of these new people. Right. And they're making these very weird connections. Like Sam is the illegitimate son of Billy Loomis, the killer. Right. Then they're like, this kid, these two are Randy... Randy's nephews and Jamie, Randy was in the original one yeah, Jamie, Jamie Kennedy, Kennedy just one of the main characters yep. like they're his nephews and and it, I was like 
Why would you even include that? It's it's such a weak and thin thing to yes, say, like, you know, they're his sister's children. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they're going through the movie, and it's like... So then then there, there's a victim, and they're like, well, this victim was not connected. Oh, we just found out he is the nephew of Stu, the Matthew Lillard character from the original screen. Yeah. And so they're like, they're trying to do it again. But it's weird, because, like, the first... It's weird, because, like... You know, just talking about Scream, it's a very meta movie. The first movie is great. The way they reference horror movies yeah. is so good. And then the second one, the second one, the story is that the killer is trying to recreate the first one. Yes. So now we have another movie, and Scream 4 is trying to recreate the first one. Yes. So now we have a, a third movie that's trying to recreate the first Scream where the killers are right. doing something connected, where there's blah, 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 this person's related. It's just so weird. And I'm watching it, and I'm like... I was also invested, you know, they killed Wendy Peppercorn, the new the new deputy. Marley Shelton. Yep. yep. And I was like, I was like, man, I'm like, and in my head, I was like, how are they going to bring this to a satisfying conclusion? And I'm like, I know they're going to do something different. And they did a couple things different. They didn't have the victim in the original opening scene die. Right. And they also killed Dewey. Yes. And also, did you notice that the kills in this are way more gory than the other movies? They are. Like, way more. Yes. Like the knife through the face or the, the what is it called? The neck? Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, man, I'm like, who could be the killer that this is like interesting or cool or good? And you're like, you're like, you know, Randy's niece and nephew, Billy Loomis's daughter, this, this, this. And the reveal of the killer at the end, first of all, I mean, this was clever. Originally, they're in a house at some point, and uh, the the little sister of Sam, the main character, left her inhaler there, yep. and they have to go back and get it. Right. And uh, Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell had put a tracker on their car, and they're like, they're like, oh, they just stopped at a house, and like, what house is it? And they look at each other, and they're like, holy shit. And I'm like, what's that? And it's the original house that the house party happened at the end of Scream. That was cool yes. as an idea. But they have already visited the idea of her going back into that house on the set of Stab 3. Right. And I was like, so that's kind of like, okay, they kind of already did this. Yeah. They go back to the house. They're like, who's the killer? Who's the killer? Who could it be? And, you know, you've seen a bunch of people get stabbed. So, you know, some people aren't the killer. And it ends up being this girl. The the mate, the first person you find out is the killer. This girl who really didn't have much of a role in the movie. She did not. She just made some shitty comments. She was kind of like a sarcastic, yep. very small girl. That's true. Not very tall. Not very tall. Like not the killer. very strong. And 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 she's like, I'm the killer. I'm the scream killer. It's me. Like yeah. like Betsy. I don't even know who it is. What's I don't know her name. I do. What is it? Amber. Amber. It's a guy. It's me, Amber. And we're like, in me, you know, in the in the movie theater, you could hear everyone be like, Why? What do you mean? And she's like, the reason I did this thing is because the last stab movie was bad. And so I want to give them a new story to write about for the next upcoming stab movies, which are based on these real killings. And I'm like, that is terrible. Yeah. What a terrible, what a terrible reason. And it's like in the movie series, we haven't even seen that much of stab. It's not even right. like it's a big thing in this one. Nope. They all they do is they have like maybe two scenes where they're like, "Man, stab eight was really bad." They they have a very heavy handed trailer, like very heavy, you know, very heavy handed uh, amount of discussion about. I mean, it's clearly about Star Wars where they're like, "Stab eight was bad." The knives out guy, blah blah blah. He didn't do this. He didn't do this, and about how fans got mad about it. Yes, and that's like 
the plot of this film is, or I guess the, the the driving force behind these killings is toxic fandom. Yeah. The idea that you love something so much, you can't stand when it's altered and you want to bring it back. And they, like, it is, it is not handled subtly. Well, let me and, say this, And though. I'll say this, it's not even handled, obviously. It is beyond that. Well, it, here's, is, it is handled annoyingly. See, here's, here's what's interesting, though, because I half agree and half disagree the way that they're meta, 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 meta the whole time, and like yeah. it has to be a screen boot, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff, for sure. The yep. stuff you're talking about, Ryan Johnson. Yep. But the idea of toxic fandom doesn't even really get brought up until the ki- the, 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 yeah. the killer reveals herself. Yeah. And I'm like, that's her reason? Yep. Because in the beginning, they weren't really talking about toxic fandom or right. whatever. They were just talking about the rules of reboots and remakes right. and whatever. And that was hit you over the head. I, I will say, though, the, the joke... Uh, because they they have uh, somebody watching the laptop and it's like a, a web series about movies yeah. and they're like oh scream eight like the killer has a different mask and he uses a different weapon and it's like a, a chrome metal mask yeah with a flamethrower and I'm like well that's a funny idea and you want to hear the coolest thing that? guess who's under that mask I have no idea Matthew Lillard oh that's great that's awesome that's very one good. of the original scream killers yeah. um so. They didn't even bring up like that someone feels passionately about toxic fandom or like about how they are the toxic fandom yeah. until that reveal. Right. And so the girl reveals herself, uh, Amber. Uses a gun, by the way. And uses a gun. And you're like, wow, this is really weird. Like this yeah. character was barely here. Like who cares? And then you kind of get a shock that Sam, the main character's boyfriend, is the other killer. Right. Because the whole movie... He's kind of looked at as the person who doesn't know about this. He's trying to catch up on the stab movies. He almost didn't come, like all these different things. Yeah. He was far away when her little sister got stabbed. And basically, he comes in and he's like, I'm the other killer. And Amber's like, yep. And they're like, you? How about why? What? And he's like, I met her on a subreddit. And man, we love the original stab. So we're we're making a new stab story so the next movie can be good. And you know how easy it was to fuck you? And I'm like, oh my God. It was yeah. it was it wasn't it? I was like, I was like, oh. how did they believe that these were this is going to be satisfying. Also, like, you know, the, the idea that the killers are also lovers because they're like, hey, babe, hey, babe. Like, Did they do that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the idea of like, all right, well, he just spent six months, you know, stupping Sam, mm. the older sister of, of the girlfriend's best friend in Woodsboro. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, first of all, who, who ah, whatever. It was really, it, so my problem was just like, these characters are so inconsequential yeah. and their reasoning is so thin. Yeah. And it's weird. If you look at each screen movie, it's like the first one was Billy Loomis, you know, his Sydney's mom was having an affair with Billy Loomis's dad and it caused the breakup of his parents' marriage. Right. So he killed Sydney's mom a year before Scream. Right. Then in Scream, he wanted to do this killing and he wanted to say that it was the movies that caused it and stuff like that. Although what was was were they planning on confessing? I think they were, right? Yeah. But why were they stabbing each other at the end? I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. But anyway, all all their motives in the, each movie have, have been like a little bit weird, I guess, after the first one to me. I mean, I liked Scream 4's motive too, which right. is the girl wanted to kind of replicate Sydney's rise to uh, you know, infamy. Um but this one of like we're trying to make the stab movies better by giving them a new story to base it off of for stab nine when the movies are barely like it's all they have are like seconds long parts like i'd be surprised if there was a total of 
more than 60 seconds of stab in this movie. Right. You know, the, the actual movie that they're, they're, they're killing people about. So it was really weird to make that. You know what I'm thinking now? If they had more of a presence of like a stab fan base and stuff in the beginning. Right. And they really talked about how stab like swept the nation in, in the late 90s. And then it had a big fall. You think that would have helped us kind of, you know, buy that stab con or something? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that would have helped us buy it? I think so. I I think that gives you an idea that the fandom is is real. Yeah, that that would probably help a lot. But still, these characters that are so new and have so little to do with this world, it's just it's weird because I can see it from a writing perspective where they're like, we want to make a new scream. Uh, what can we do that's actually like good and ties back to the original? Because I'm sure that's what the, the studio is saying. I'm sure that's what the writers want to do, the director. They want to tie back to the original. But the problem is, and this is something, I, I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast, and this is a problem I have with like a lot of stuff. There's like this little cheat in writing when you want to make a sequel or a prequel or whatever. And it's just... Ah, this guy's related to this guy. Yeah. This girl's related to this girl. Yep. And that's it. And you're like, that that's that's Obi-Wan's daughter. Yep. That's this guy's this. And it's like, I don't care. It doesn't make any sense to me that people care about that. But that is a way to expand the story. If you're like, we have seven main characters. Three of them are dead after the first one. The killer's not going to be one of the four. So I guess we'll have to start thinking, could this person have a daughter? Could this person right. have a son? Like, even in the second Scream movie... It's Billy Loomis's mom, right? Who wants to kill Sydney, you know, in response right. as like revenge. Um, and then in the third one, it's Sydney's illegitimate half brother that her mom had. Yep. Right. Yep. So it's like, I don't know. So so that kind of stuff. The the up. Oh, this person is this person's cousin. This person's this person's daughter. To me, it feels weightless. Does yeah. it? Does it hold any weight to you? Not really. Uh, it's it's weird because one of the the themes they went with was uh, Samantha, the main character, the final girl. Yeah. Uh, is is Billy Loomis's daughter, and she is on antipsychotic meds. Mm-hmm. She keeps having visions of Billy Loomis, yeah. and he's like, "Give in to what you are." Uh, yeah. And I'll say, you know, her getting the knife and like stabbing the shit out of that guy at the end is uh, the idea of that's her giving in. Okay, I I guess that's a payoff. Um, but man, why why don't you give us any drama of the fact that like maybe she's the killer? Maybe she's the killer. Maybe she's halluc- like hallucinated the attack the attack in the hospital near the beginning yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And you know, and and they yeah, they get there and there's no sign and you know, whatever. Like the, the cameras went out at, or or you know, and she's like running and screaming from nothing. Give us something to not trust her as a good to guy. To not trust her as a good guy. As a protagonist. Uh, especially if she's, you know, the daughter of a serial killer. Yes. Which, by the way, like, is it genetic? I know. That's that's what I mean. That's why I don't care. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think I think it's I think that that connection was almost like inconsequential. Yeah. Like at the end, you know, she's getting beat up by the killer and he's gonna kill her, and then she reaches and finds a knife and stabs him a lot. Yeah. Besides that, which by the way. That's what Sydney would do if she found a knife or, yeah. a, or a gun in any of the other movies. They always use weapons against the killers. Yep. Uh, what is the, the, If you took that whole Billy Loomis thing out of it, it's I don't even understand how it changes the story. Right. Um, so it was really weird. But here's, here's a question I wanted to ask you. And I didn't want to make this a huge deal. But we're thinking in, in terms of the concept of Scream, where we're going into Scream 5, 
all you have is Nev Campbell as Sydney, Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, and David Arquette as Deputy Dewey. Is there a way to actually make a Scream 5 that has a satisfying conclusion? Or, or is the movie so formulaic that it's hard to do that? Or do we have too few protagonists to play with? Right. It's like, what's hard is like, how do you make one of these... Really, and I, and I want to ask you this as a writer, is the only way to make it satisfying to make one of those people the killer? And how could you possibly make that believable after right. all this time? Right. And uh, you know what I mean? Who could? Yeah. Who? How could someone new come in and be the killer? And that's a satisfying story. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I I've been I, thinking yeah. about it since last night, and I'm like, this is a real puzzle right. in terms of you have these three protagonists. Billy's dead. Stu is dead. Like all, all the killers over the years are dead. And even, you know, the people that are good guys like Randy, Jamie Kennedy's character, or um, Cotton Weary, you yep. know, uh, Lee Schreiber's character. All the people that have kind of been good guys, Jerry O'Connell, her yep. Sydney's boyfriend, they're all dead. Yes. So it, it's really strange to be like, well, what can you do? In, in every movie, I realize now, in every movie besides like one, I mean, one, I guess, has to have a new person be the killer, but it's just brand new characters right. that are like, I did this, and it's never really been satisfying. No. So, and I think Scream 4 is probably the most satisfying one yeah. because it was such a such a juxtaposition and it's kind of believable. Yeah. That was probably the best, uh, that was probably the best killer reveal. Makes sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where it's her cousin trying to replicate her fame. So... What do you think? What do you? What, just, we don't have to figure it out right now. Right. But where does your brain go when you start to think? How can we make this new scream like good? Yeah, I, it's it's weird because in my mind I'm like you. I I would love to. You can't throw out Sidney Prescott, but you kind of have to. To and, killer, you mean? No, like as as a killer. I, no, just as a character. Like oh, throw her out. I yeah, see. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, I see what you mean. You know, I I, I think the opening scene. Kill, kill, kill Sydney. Kill, well, kill Gail Weathers. You think so? In the opening scene, and then I think it's the audience is on shaky ground. Yeah, and then I and then I think it's Dewey and the the cast of teens, like trying to figure out, like trying to solve the murder of, of Gail, and uh, you know, it's it, it's tough because you know, you have to bring in a new character, like you just have to. I have, a, yeah, I know. I mean, unless you're Chuck Staten and you're like. All right. <laughs> you, you pan up, overalls, hockey mask. Yeah, yeah. The killer is Jason Voorhees. I got an idea. Okay. And then let's let's talk it out. We'll talk it out. We're talking it out. We can, you know, if 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 we take too long to to think, we'll we'll, we'll edit it out. What about the idea? Okay. And I don't know how we orchestrate this. Two people at the same time, we're trying to replicate the oh, scream thing. Okay, and we don't know who either of them are, and they're kind of butting heads in some way. So we'd have to have some kind of opening scene where, let's say, Sydney is at some survivors' uh, anonymous meeting. Okay, like you know, uh, yeah, a support group, of some support sort. group yeah. of some kind. And she's speaking at it. Yep, and she goes into her dressing room, and you kind of hear like you know spooky music, and she's kind of by herself, and she's doing stuff. And you see a scream killer go by in the background. Okay. Right? Then you see, you know, she's doing something else. Maybe she's like getting her clothes or whatever. And you see a scream killer. And then you see another scream killer kind of somewhere. 
Uh, it seems so convenient, though, that they'd both be trying to kill her at the same, at the time. same time. I, I, You know what? I'll say one idea I had while watching Screen yes, 5 okay. was that there are like four killers. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like, like all these different teens are killing different people for different reasons. Uh, so the, the opening girl gets attacked by whoever the, the second guy has beef with, uh, with our football guy in the bar and then gets, mm-hmm. gets, uh, gets stabbed many times. All right. The football guy killed him. Okay. Then the next victim, uh, I don't know if it was Dewey or whoever. Yeah gets killed by a different teen. And so it's all these, like, it's it's our five, quote-unquote, main teens, and they're all... Working together? Working together. They're all ghost faces. Okay, so they're uh, working together and, as and a then, team. And then I'm like, are are they, do they know it, or are they all separate, like, working independently ghost faces? But we, as an audience, okay. assume that there's a, a narrative and a plot, but instead it's, it's, ah, it's weird. Here's, here's what, you want to hear what's hard about this? Because this is yes. kind of the similar thing that I'm thinking of. Right. What's hard about this is that you don't get the inner monologue of the scream killer. Right. They would have to talk to someone yep. to tell you, the audience, how they're feeling. If you see a person in a mask and they see another person in a mask and they're like, oh, that person's not working with me. If they look at it, it's going to be hard to... If they just look at another person that's dressed as a scream killer, right. you're not going to understand that they're not working together. Right. You're not going to see them as like, uh, what? Uh, we decided uh, Other than one has to attack the other. One has to be like... Yeah, but then that would be so weird it too if, if they if they silently looked at each other and started fighting as scream right. killers. And but the, that is the, but I'll say the dialogue where it's the same voice box. What are you doing here? Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be hilarious. <laughs> what's your fa- what's your favorite scary? That would be really funny. <laughs> it's a, you know, you're on the phone with the scream killer. And you're like, hang on, I got another call, and you click over. <laughs> You're like, wait, did I? Did I, I just told a- you my favorite scary movie. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> okay, how about this? You ready? Okay, we're, we're, du- we're dueling. We're dueling. Look out the front door. <laughs> wait, wait I, you, you just told me to look out the back door. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so no, I on. didn't. Hold on, hold on. Um. Okay. I'm oh, letting how, you about think. This, how about this? Okay, you ready? How about yes. this? One killer. Oh, let me let's let's start talking this out. Okay? We are, we are. If, we're you're, if you're an hour, if you're an hour into the podcast, you're along for the ride. You're figuring it out with us. Okay, Scream Killer. Yes, Sydney Prescott coming back to Woodsboro for the first time in ten years to do this Survivors thing, and she says to the person, she's like, they're like, I can't believe you're going back to Woodsboro, and she goes, Well, she's like, I have a plane in and I have a plane out that night. I'm not even staying in a hotel. Good, that's a good idea. Time right? frame, yeah, great, great, great. So she goes to this Survivors thing. She does the talk, right? Someone, a scream guy is there, Ghostface. Okay. A, Ghostface. Ghostface A goes, and he goes and he's stalking her, stalking her, stalking her. And maybe she's like bending over and like getting stuff out of a locker. And you see him, and the camera follows him, and he comes around the corner and he stabs. And then he like puts his thing up, and it's like her coat, like over a pillow or okay. something like that. Right. Like, and it's kind of like a trick. Yep. And then his cell phone rings. And he like, and he like, he's like looking and he, yeah. or maybe even there's a cell phone there yeah. and he picks it up and he answers it and you hear the scream voice on the phone to Ghostface A okay. and Ghostface B is like, basically like, you know, I don't know, something, it's, it's but, but that's a way for them to communicate. Is, is Ghostface is B trying to kill Ghostface A or are they both trying to kill Sidney Prescott? That would be cool. So I like the idea of them both trying to kill her. Yep. 
I like the idea of them both trying to kill her. But they both want to be the one to kill her. But so they, they both want to be the one. But, but it feels a little mad spy versus spy. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is that it's like, it's so crazy that they would know. Uh, I think this could be a short film. I don't see how we stretch this over 90 minutes. <laughs> Dueling ghost. Dueling ghost face. Well, the problem is it's going to be so hard for them to be characters. Yeah. Because because you can't keep their anonymity. Right. Or let's just talk about it. Okay. Do Ghostface A and Ghostface B reveal themselves in the beginning. Yeah. And you know who they are. Yeah. And you watch them and you watch a Scream movie. Yeah. From the point of view of the killer, knowing them in the group as the killer. All right, so Chuck and Brad are the killers. Woo! All right, so Chuck and Brad have our little friend so, group. Right. So, so and for the audience, if I'm not making it clear enough, imagine if Scream One, you saw Billy and Stu in the beginning plotting all this stuff, and then you watch the movie. Right. Now that's where we're starting from. Okay. So they have their own friend group. Uh, Sydney Prescott. Blah blah blah. But can we can we still make it fun? Because there's no red herrings. There's no like, yeah, oh, true. but they don't know each other are the killer, though. Oh, so okay. maybe, right? I don't know. Or or maybe we know one of the scream, one of the ghost faces, but then it's they're not sympathetic. Yeah, that's and, interesting. And, and, and we're kind of rooting for them to get stabbed. That's the thing. Yeah. See, the only, really, as a writer, the only way it makes sense to do a satisfying scream movie to me really would be to make one of the legacy characters, the killer. Right. But how do you do that and make it make sense? And also, and, and here's the thing is let's, let's, let's think about the idea of like, you know, I know this sounds crazy. Could they be doing it preemptively to take out possible future ghost faces? Mm -hmm. Like that seems kind of crazy. A little minority report. All right. How about this? How about this? Pre, pre, pre step. Yeah. How about this? Could we just be like, let's make it supernatural. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Is that the way to go? Has there been a movie series that's really done that? I guess Halloween and Jace and Friday Thirteenth yeah. kind of have done that because they they kind of flirt with it more yeah. than anything. Although Jason was hit by lightning and stuff like that. Yeah, um, dog pissed on him. Satan's Satan's Hellhound. Remember that? Was, uh, was that was that Friday the Thirteenth or was that Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh, maybe it was maybe it was Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Satan's Hellhound pissed fire on him and he came back to life. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> that's how Brad's gonna come back to life. What the? <laughs> You're waking up in your grave, by the way. I know. Um, could you? Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Let's keep talking. This is fun. This is fun. You get this? Opening. Or, or whatever. Maybe. Okay. Okay, opening is like a, a kind of a traditional scream okay. kill, maybe. And, yep. and we'll figure. We'll fill in the blank in a second. Says Scream Five, then says Forty Eight Hours Earlier. Oh, huge horror convention. Yep, and they have Halloween people. They have Freddy Krueger people. They have Jason Voorhees people. Saw Paranormal Activity. Stab one pumpkin head. <laughs> pumpkin head. They have. <laughs> There's they, nobody at the pumpkin head booth. <laughs> it's just you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Chuck sent me here. Yes. <laughs> Take notes, but um, <laughs> you ain't going. <laughs> but can I also get your autograph? <laughs> Sign it, pumpkin head. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Lance Henriksen. <laughs> And it's all the pumpkin heads because yep. there's like at least by the end of two, there's at least three pumpkin yep. heads. <laughs> Maybe four. Are there are there four in the first one? There's two in the first one, two in the second one. Uh, the second one wasn't really pumpkin heady. 
It's the blood wings. Remember? Yeah, I love it. It's one of my favorites of all time. Anyway, so you op- so a traditional scream kill in the beginning. Yep. Forty eight hours earlier, horror convention. Tell me if you think this. Could there be like this big debate where it's like New Line Cinema owns the rights to all these movies? Which movie is getting rebooted or remade in 2022? Oh. And the fans are voting, or there's some huge thing about what the best horror movie is, or horror movie series, or icon. Yeah. And let's say this happens a little bit into a horror convention where we really do see all the stab fans and people right. that love it, and they have the tattoos, and we they really they make it yeah. look like a documentary. Yeah. Um. And could there be people like could stab be like fifth on the list? Yep. It's like. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Chucky, and then Stab. Yeah. And they're mad. And we're then, behind Chucky? We're behind, Are yeah, you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, could they... Uh, it sucks because I'm kind of going the direction of what Scri- Scream 5 ended up being. Well, I, I'm it's saying... Fans, it, but if you show this, <gasps> then, then, then it, it makes it, sense. Yeah, it, it grounds that attitude a little bit. Um, the idea of we have to we have to save the franchise by doing these killings. In doing order these kill- yeah, it grounds it a little bit, but it's still weak. I still want to find a big ending that's cool, and how do and, and I kind of want to find a way that like could David Arquette be helping or like be helping the killer, or could someone be like maybe not the killer, but they're facilitating the kills for some reason. Mm. Could that be possible? I mean, yeah, it's 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 weird because like they've been so noble through the first mm. four, and the idea of like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna turn that. Yeah. And uh, by the way, the scene between David Arquette and Courtney Cox was like so much backstory and exposition crammed into such a short period of time. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, and, well, how and about, I understand how you have about, to keep script moving. How about this? Yep. We do the beginning I just said. Yep. And we got to figure out some other big stunts. We got to figure out some like, like the opening has to be something weird. I'll throw this out there. Scream 6, uh, found footage, paranormal activity style movie. <clears throat> okay. Well, how about, here's my idea. Yep. We revisit Gail. Here, this is the idea. Okay. Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Sidney Prescott. We start revisiting them. They're all super shitty in their own way. Okay. They're way shittier than they used to be. Yep. Uh, Dewey is at the end of his rope. Yep. And he's like, I just got to find, he's like, I just got to find a case to solve and they're going to let me back in the force. Yep. Because he's off the force. And he's like, I'll do anything. And there's, how about this? Okay. And they're like, what happened with him? Like, how come he's off the force? What happened? And it's like, he was always going for the next big bust and it got the best of him. And he planted something on somebody. Oh, okay. So, like, let's say he planted drugs on somebody. Okay. Right. And so you know that he's like that, and he's super shitty. He's super underhanded. So the movie leads you to believe it's possible that he would help with the killings just to be able to solve it. Makes sense. Right? Yep. Gail, same kind of thing. She's super shitty. She hasn't written a book in a long time. The only books that ever sold were about the scream killings. And she's desperate for another one, which which was kind right. of alluded to in Scream 4, but she was never really right. possibly a killer because she was so dedicated to finding the killer. Um, but what if you really play the audience and and kind of give motives to each of those characters that's like super strong? Let's, let's, not, not just like everyone's right. a thing. It's really more about these three. The idea that Dewey is aiding and abetting with the killings to get Gail back. He's like, I just need, I just need her to understand that I'm not 
a failure. Mm-hmm. And so to do that, he the, like the, the killings start again. We don't know. It really, this movie could play out very similarly, except mm-hmm. with him not dying. And at the end, he's at the house, and he's the. He, it's not the love interest, or maybe he, you know, because he he gives a speech earlier. Never trust a boyfriend, and he's like, I'm the love interest in Scream. Yeah. Like or in stab, it's the, like yeah, it's yeah. it's me and Gail. Like we're the love story yeah. that people care about. Yeah, and he kills the boyfriend, so it's him and the final girl. Yeah, and he's like, "Look, you killed all the, these people. You're psychotic. You're the 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 daughter of Billy Loomis." Yes, I'm just the hero that's going to stop you. Yes, yeah. And he stabs himself, and you know, he, because he's a cop, he knows how to make it look like she stabbed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's like, "All right, you're this high, so I'm going to say that you stabbed me here." Like they'll definitely believe me. So this is happening. So, so he so, is the killer. So, so I think, yeah, I think, I think he and someone else were the killer, and then he kills the killer. Uh, because kills again, the other killer. He kills the other killer, and which and is sa- common, and says, "I I caught them." Mm-hmm. Um. And, and then, so you think it's the boyfriend, then Dewey is like, no, it's me. Like Gail's going to take me back when she sees that I'm not a failure. And, and maybe she somehow overhears this or she's there and he doesn't know it or whatever. So you want him to actually be the killer. I want him to be one of the two killers. So, okay. See, see, so this is what, this is what I buy. If, if, if we're going down the road of what can we do? Satisfying conclusion. Yes. The idea of him wanting her back. So he has to do these bad things in order to like regain. And you know what? He's like, he's like, Gail and I met during the first killings. We were brought back together during the second one. Yep. All these different things. It's the only thing that's going to get her to come back. Right. Um, but we have, I, I, so I'm okay with that. I'm yep. okay with Dewey doing that, but we really have to demonstrate his fall throughout the movies. Yes. And we have to make it so by the end, you believe he's that desperate. Yeah. Or maybe even... I mean, could every because so so in the opening scene of Scream Five, the real one, the girl got attacked and she didn't die. Right. Is there a a wor- oh, is there a world where he's still kind of retaining his nobility? Oh, he where and he, he's he, he's attacking. intentionally not killing these people. Right. And he's like, oh, they got away. Oh, yeah. they got away. We even see a little bit maybe of the killer being kind of clumsy or something. Yeah. Not clumsy, but like overly lax. Let's say about trying right. to kill someone and they get away. Yeah. And then maybe we DC one kill that's like really grisly and bad, and it's the only successful kill. Maybe right. it's even the second one, so yep. that you feel uh, like confident the killer is a killer, and you kind of get the information that by the end that the other person that was helping him, the accomplice, was, was the, the one murderer. who was more yeah. down to kill, and he wasn't really yeah. down to kill. Um, and uh, and then it becomes. No one was supposed to die, Gail. Yes, yeah. No one was supposed to die, yeah. and that becomes a, a fight between. So how about this? Ready? Okay. Are, are we still doing the Stabathon thing or no? That we're dropping. We're, that. we're doing whatever we want. Let's do Stabathon. All right, hosted by Chuck and Brad. Yes. Okay. Well. Okay. We'll open it. Not Stabathon necessarily, but like a horror like convention. A, a horror convention. Yeah. And that's the other killer. Yeah. So you open. You open with a kill. The person gets away. Right. We find that out yeah. after. Maybe after the. So like you know the final thing that happens in the opening scene of Scream is always. The killer is about to kill the person, yep. and they slice the knife, and it says "scream." Yeah, and you don't see them die. So we cut forty-eight hours earlier. Goes to the horror convention. Uh, Paramount or New Line Cinema owns all the rights to these movies. We're like for the first time live. We're letting the audience pick which movie series we're going to reboot. Yeah, right. And they pick this, and blah blah blah. They're like Chucky, blah blah blah. They have you know, there's a lot of meta stuff about 
maybe the Halloween reboot, yep. the Friday the 13th stuff, the new Chucky series, which, by the way, is supposed to be actually good, Okay, which is crazy. Yep. Pumpkinhead, all this stuff. They have We have a, a new cast. I love the idea that Troll 2 is also on the list. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a new cast all in costume from the original Scream. Oh, okay. That would be cool. That's very cool. And uh, yeah, they're all in costume and they're fighting about it. And we, we'd have to figure out more personality traits about them to make it make right. sense. But they have the new cast. They're pissed off. Uh, the second kill happens. And the kill is really brutal and someone really right. goes down, yep. whoever it is. Then the rest of the kills... They keep, everyone keeps getting away, keeps getting away. And it's almost suspicious. Yeah. We get the whole story of Dewey. He's fallen and fallen, fallen. He lives in this trailer, whatever. He misses Gail. It's the only thing that ever brought her back. Maybe he even says that early in the movie. Right. He's the only thing that ever brings her back to Woodsboro is this. So, although that's not exactly true, but whatever. Right. It's always brought them back together. Right. So we go through the movie and at the end... And it, and it can even be where he, he doesn't even say it's like the only thing. That, but basically, he's like, hey, the only thing we had in common is these murders. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you can't base a relationship on that. I don't think just, he says just, that. Just, just like the end of Speed. I think that Gail maybe says that. Okay. You can't base a relationship on that. Sure. But he's like, you know, he's saying this is a positive or whatever. Right. Because she's going to come back. And then at the end... So the, so the second kill is a real kill. Yeah. The rest of them, everyone gets away. And maybe they're in the hospital, so they're actually, their presence is missing from the movie. Right. So you kind of still feel their absence as an audience member, but they're not actually dead. Right. We get to the finale, and let's say it's similar. Let's say we do a similar thing where it's in that house from the first Scream movie. Okay. Right? Everyone's there. Uh, David Arquette reveals he's the killer. Or maybe maybe the other the, the accom- other yeah the accomplice, the accomplice first yeah. the accomplice does it first and kills someone right then David Arquette runs in and says no and then they're like yeah. and then someone's like you know Dewey look out yeah he's like are you crazy blah blah yeah and they have a fight he's like no one's supposed to die right. or like whatever and he reveals that he's the other killer um and that kind of you know the idea that basically the one person at the beginning got killed by the accomplice right and the person at the end got killed by an accomplice um. And everyone else was him, and he didn't want anyone to die. He just wanted to get Gail back, and it's the yep. only thing he could think of. That would probably be a better direction in terms of... It's it's funny, because it really would depend on how they handle his journey yep. and the information they give to you about Dewey from the beginning of this movie to the end, Yep. and also kind of what he says in that monologue at the end yeah. to kind of explain that he's the killer. But I think... He's the attacker. Yes. He's not the killer. He's, yeah, that's the thing he says. Yeah. He's like, I can't believe you're the killer. He's like, I'm not, a, I'm not a killer. I'm not a killer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and how does he uh, How does he get his, his comeuppance? Does Gail kill him? Uh, or does the final girl kill him? I think, I think he refuses to kill the accomplice at some point because okay. he doesn't want to kill. Yep. And she takes that opportunity to kill him. Okay. And it's like a tragic thing yeah. where he never killed anybody. Right. He was never even really a killer. Right. He was the accomplice who kind of orchestrated this fake right. thing. That would probably be better. Yeah. And I like, I think that the idea, because just like we were talking about, it's too much of a drop from nobility yeah. for them to become killers, either, any of the main three. Right. But I think Dewey, at the end of his rope, attacking people and helping with this and being pissed off at the accomplice for actually killing anyone... Is pretty good. Makes sense. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll say, 
I think there's a 0% chance David Arquette agrees to it. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, I think he would do it. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I mean, in this movie, he got killed. Yeah. I think you'd, I think you would do Let's it. Let's call him up. Beep, boop, 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 boop. You think it's too much of a fall from grace? But he doesn't kill anyone. Yeah. That's such a, that's, to me, that is like a very yeah. fine line. And maybe the kids that he attacks are all dickheads. Ooh. What if they're all okay. kind of despicable? Yeah. What if you don't like them for a certain reason? That is, does that change what things? What if they're racists? Stab what if away. one's a racist, one's a, you know. Transphobe. Tra- okay, good. I'm glad you said phobe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Brad, no. <laughs> I kind of meant, I kind of meant, as, oppo- as opposed to them just having despicable ideologies, I meant them actually doing bad things yeah, to yeah, people. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's like, yeah, this neighborhood was nice until those Puerto Ricans moved in. And then you're like, oh, that guy. He's <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Just because he said that. This neighborhood was nice until those transes moved in. <laughs> yeah. No, like we need it. We need it to be a guy who like hits his girlfriend. Yeah, that's gonna be one of them. Yeah, we need a we need a guy who sells you know coke to a twelve year old or right. something like that. We need a ki- a guy who robs an old lady. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, would that change things? Yeah. Or he's kind of like a Batman. It's it's weird. come on, that's pretty good. Stab man. Um. Oh man, it it it's like that's good. It's good. That's pretty damn yeah. good. I don't know if we need to make their negative qualities, you know, that obvious. <laughs> I think one steals candy from a baby. <laughs> one has a plan to block out the sun from Springfield. What, what do you think about uh? What do you think about this? This this I'm just throwing this out there. Yep. Feel free to shoot me in the dick and tell me I'm an asshole. A long time ago, I'll do, I, I'll do half of that. I, a long time, a long time ago, I came up with a concept for our podcast, and it was a name for a segment, and we never did the segment. We couldn't even figure out what it was. And the name of the segment I wanted to do was First Draft Theater. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. What if right now we just came up with that? What if we stop the recorder and we take like a ten minutes, like we time it, and we write the whole movie and all the kills and how they get killed and stuff? Do you want to do it? First draft, and we just have to deal with whatever we come up with. All right, my clock is about to start. What do you think? Yeah. All right. Are we writing this together? We're writing. Yeah, we're writing it together. All right. All right. So Chuck and Brad are going to rewrite Scream Five. We have a ten-minute clock to rewrite the entire script based on the concept we just thought of. Timer. And this is the first first draft theater. I I hope this translates. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Maybe people will like it. But we're going to have to live with whatever we say. So tell me when you're ready, and I'll pause the recording. Three, two, one, go. All right, it's way harder than expected. We are going to acknowledge that that was really difficult. It was like 18 minutes that we spent, I think. Um, and all we got was the name. Cream 5. <laughs> 5 Cream. Um, we did figure out some stuff. But really, we didn't really figure out that much more. No. And here, here, here's, here's what we did come up with. All right. Movie opens at a horror convention like we talked about. Yep. Um, we open at a stab panel. Like a horror panel. Hosted by Chuck and Brad. Hosted by Chuck and Brad. And, you know, the people on stage, Heather Graham, who played uh, Drew Barrymore's character in the first yep. stab. That's the scene that's been showed the most throughout the screen movies. Um, Luke Wilson is one of them. Tori Spelling is one of them. There's a bunch of them. And they're on stage. They're taking audience questions. Yeah. And then this this really tall guy named Ray gets up and he asks a dumb question and everyone makes fun of him. Oh, yeah. That guy stinks. His name's Ray Harrington. Yes. And uh, he's wearing a name tag that we know. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'm Ray. Um, but uh someone says, like in a question, they phrase it in a question, they're like, 
you know, um, you know, when and I'm breaking up companies, when Paramount uh got the rights to scream, they kind of owned the stab. rights to what what is it? To stab. stab, sorry, to stab. They own the rights to all the big franchises, Halloween, blah, blah. They go, they had that big poll last year over what movie they're gonna remake next. And Stab came in dead last. Like, how does that feel for you guys? Do you feel like the passion for this the series is waning? Like, how do you feel? And you could tell that the the moderators and the cast are kind of like, that's a weird question. Yeah. And, you know, they can answer and be kind of like gracious and be like, you know, you never know. There's comes ebbs and flows, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, all right, everybody, thanks a lot. They go backstage. Everyone's leaving. Luke Wilson leaves. Tori Spelling leaves. We're following Heather Graham. And she's like, I just got to go to my locker or whatever. She, you know, yeah. like, whatever. She goes and it kind of turns into the traditional scream opening where you see the ghost face killer and he, the, the ghost face killer, yeah. uh, kills Heather Graham. Dead. Who played, you know, Drew Barrymore's character in the original stab. Um, the credits happen. We come back. Let's say we introduce a new cast of, of cool teens, which yeah. I really would like to figure out a different hook for them right. than just the same old new young cool teens. They're all mathletes. But let's just say <laughs> let's just say it's similar to the cast of Scream Five, sure. including you know the character of Amber, who eventually was one of the killers in Scream Five. Um, they talk about it, um, and maybe they even put more emphasis on. How like someone's like, well, Stab is like a tired franchise and right. blah, blah, blah. And that's in the who cares. And and, you know, maybe some people are defending it and they they kind of feel passionately some of them about the Stab series, whatever. Yeah. Let's just say cuts to a trailer, much like Scream 5. Dewey is there, but he's way shittier. Officer Dewey by David, you know, played by David Arquette, way shittier than in Scream 5. He's drinking. It's early. He sees the news report that says that Heather Graham was killed at this uh, Stab convention. And he's like, is like shocked. Yeah. And he's like, damn it. And he's like, smashes the bottle. And you can see he's wicked, wicked emotional. Yes. And so right there, you get the idea that he's upset that the scream killings are happening yeah. again. That's the idea you get from that. Um, Maybe he even at that point, like, opens the little box. He gets his badge out. And his gun. And his gun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, or something like that. And actually, I think he shouldn't do that yet. Okay. I think he shouldn't do that yet. I okay. think he should just be wicked pissed. And right. the audience knows that. Then, you know, like we said, we'd have to fill in these blocks. But the teens, you, you, you start seeing their relationships. You see what they're like, whatever. Um, maybe Sydney and Gail come back to town in a similar way that they do in Scream 5, okay. the killings, whatever. Um, and, you know, Gail is gone again. Maybe even the exact same thing. She's on that morning show or yep. whatever she does. Um, they come back to town. Uh, we meet uh, the guy who is the like owner of the trailer park lot that Dewey's in and maybe Dewey is like nice to him or something. And the guy, we see the guy and he's a real piece of shit and he's a real piece of shit to, um, like a single mom, like a single mom who's trying to pay her bills there. Yeah. He's he's like like, a dick to her. He's saying things that are shitty and you don't like him. And then the ghost face killer essentially attempts to kill this guy and stabs him up, but he doesn't die. Right. Uh, we continue to learn about the kids and the new group. Dewey kind of joins them and he, in the same way he did with this Scream 5 and the real one. And he's kind of trying to help them solve it. And uh, you find out that one of the kids uh, kind of abuses his girlfriend, physically assaulting her or some way. Yep. And he's he's the next victim. He gets stabbed up again, doesn't die. But these characters kind of disappear from the movie at this point because they're in critical condition right. or whatever. Um, 
maybe even saying maybe like someone could be like oh like this one got lucky too they missed every major artery right they missed every major nerve in his back or whatever right. because dewey knows about this kind of stuff yep um and then we have a third victim again who gets attacked that we see him being a bad person or her yep and this victim gets attacked but not killed and again they're kind of taken out um and then i think you know Maybe Dewey does lay clues during it. That's kind of like the only time that me and Gail ever have, you know, are ever connect is when these things are happening. Right. You know, this might be my last chance to get her back. I want to get back on the force. If, if I have one more big case, I'll get back on the force. I'll get her back, whatever it is. So all this stuff happens. And, um, he, the, you know, we get, the, we get the, the third victim that gets attacked and doesn't die. We get to Stu's house at the end. Maybe it's a similar reason. Right. Someone left something there. The, the audience doesn't realize it's the house. It is the house. Um, Amber, this person, who, who I would want to make a bigger character in this than she yeah. was in Scream 5, reveals herself as the killer. Um, and, you know, I guess we can make it so part of her thing is to bring Stab like back to the right. to, to people's minds and stuff like that. And maybe we'll even have more of that during it. Right. More stuff that kind of mirrors the original in some way yeah you know what i mean we'll have to think about what that could even be. like a younger sibling can like you know mock the idea of liking stab like it's a it's a tired but like yeah. basically people hate the stab franchise yes right we're, we're, we're gonna stick with that yeah and we could do i think we should do you know how they had that one clip that was funny yes we should have a lot of clips that are yeah. funny that yeah. would be good um like of like how ridiculous stab has gotten and how people right. think it sucks um but I also want to do more stuff with the fandom during it. Like maybe we see like, you know, stabathons across the world. Maybe we kind of even have documentaries like some of the horror documentaries that have come right. out, but they're about stab and we yeah. see pieces of them. Um, we'd have to make it bigger. We'd have to make her character more passionate about it yeah. or at least more passionate about horror in general or movies yeah. or something. And so we kind of established that more. She's, uh, you know, outs herself as the killer. By killing one of the other teens in front of like Gail and Sydney yeah. or something or Sydney at least, um, that is an innocent teen. Yeah, and that's when David Arquette runs in, and he's like, "No," and he's like, "No one was supposed to die." And Sydney's like, "Dewey, look out!" And then Dewey turns to her and he's like, "Can you how like like you gotta control yourself or whatever?" Yeah, and that's when you find out that they're working together, and um, you find out that basically like he's doing it. And he was hoping that he was only doing it to people who deserved it right. and that no one was going to die. Right. And they can say, somehow they'll say this, um, you know, he could say like, not not maybe not he says, why did you kill Heather Graham? Right. Because it'd be weird if he's asking her then. Yep. But if someone says, like, you know, if he's like, he's, he's like, no one needed to die. Like Heather Graham, <laughs> Heather Graham didn't need to die. Yep. And she's like, yes, she is. Like in the first stab movie, she was the most famous person on the poster. And when they killed her at the beginning of the movie, the audience felt like anything could happen. And that's what we needed this time, yeah. which is a real reference to how they wrote Scream. Yes. And I think that that'd be cool. And if they did that, I, I it's funny because you need a lot of stuff to be filled in. You need a lot of character development for both of these right. killers, as well as the other people to, to, to create red herrings and stuff like that. But I think that this would be the way to go. And so what you'd have to do is bridge David Arquette's nobility over the fast four movies right. with this version of the Scream Killings where he thinks it's not that bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's so desperate that he's willing to do something that's not quite as bad. Right. Especially if he knows people in his life 
deserve to be taken care of and, and like in terms of a you know pu- deserve to be punished right uh, and maybe he can kind of allude to that uh, yeah. during the movie where he's like you know sometimes if you don't punish the people that deserve to be punished no one will yeah he's like the police can't always help or something like that I think that would be satisfying I think I so I think that would be a really yeah. cool idea I think the 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 line you know I'm not a killer yeah uh, I didn't kill anyone yes <laughs> I, I think that's that's really powerful yeah and the idea that like you know, he has to like basically he has to explain himself to Gail and and she's like, No. Yeah, of like, course. How how could I how yeah. could I love this version of you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so his heart is breaking and then he gets stabbed by his accomplice. Yeah. Who it was was previously thought incapacitated. Yes, yeah. Uh, then Sydney and or Gail take care of the accomplice. Yeah. They walk out the door with the final girl, it's over. Yeah. I think that that would be that honestly, it's yeah. funny because walking into Scream Five, I was like I could never believe that one of them turns into the killer. Yeah. But this version of, well, there are two characters. Yep. So if they have different motivations and different willingness to be like evil. Yeah. And and then we're making our version of the killer not evil. David Arquette is kind of coming in and punishing people who deserve to be punished. Yep. And he's not killing them. That's pretty good. Yeah. I think that'd be a good way to do it. I agree. Oh, man. I'm glad we figured this out. Yeah. Chuck and Brad fix Scream 5. Yeah. That's what it turned into more, I think, than First Draft Theater. We still got to figure out what First Draft Theater could be. Right. It's it's a good name. You know what? This was more Chuck and Brad fix. This was Chuck and Brad fix Scream 5. Yep. Because we used so much of the original concept. Yeah. Um, But that was fun. I'm glad we figured that out. Because I think that was, that's that's a tough speed bump. Yeah. To say, how do you make it, how do you care? This is a good way to do it. Yes. Um. But that was good, man. It was. Well, folks out there, uh, thank you all for listening. We we really and truly do appreciate it. Uh, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or otherwise, please send us an email, chuckandbrad at gmail.com, or find the email link through chuckandbradpodcast.com. Happy to hear from you. Yes. Always delightful. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me this week, Chuck. I'm, I'm glad uh, physically things are getting better, and I hope that uh, emotionally uh, and spiritually things will start getting better. Yeah, I'm praying that... Uh you know, logical heads prevail in all my emotional situations and everything can get figured out. And yep. I hope that I can get away from this hopelessness yep. um, and find a way to really feel positively about the future and stuff like that. It's going to be tough. But I get you. I'm, 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 I'm kind of, re- this is one of the things I think about. Like, can you just repeat stuff to yourself and it gets through sometimes? Sometimes. 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 I'm trying to tell myself that. Yep. I'm going to make a bunch of statements and say, I got to believe this. It's like Stuart Smalley. Yeah. Good enough? Oh, yeah. Smart enough? Yeah. All that. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. It's been uh, It's been a joy hanging out with you all. That's all I've got. That's all i got. Deuces. <laughs>